Eagles Entertainment. With the 15th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and Eagles Day here at the National Scouting Combine. We're going to start things off with Mr. Relevant, where I welcome in uh, Senior Defensive Assistant Jeremiah Washburn, who also has held the title of Director of Player Personnel here in Philadelphia. So a, a really intriguing person uh, here with this Eagle staff has really had feet in both the scouting side and in the coaching side. We're going to talk about what he takes away from the National scouting combine and namely the drills which get started on thursday evening thursday afternoon here in indianapolis so we'll have all of that those recaps coming your way in the coming days so i'm going to catch up with jeremiah washburn here at the top of the show after that i'm going to start draft buzz with uh chris mcpherson where we're going to go through uh general manager howie roseman and head coach nick sirianni they both had their press conferences here on wednesday afternoon four big takeaways from c-mac there from those two press conferences also i chatted with a bunch of quarterbacks wide receivers tight ends at the media session today so i'll get some of those big takeaways as well then we'll wrap it up with our draft mailbag a couple questions from you at home after i solicited on twitter so uh let's real quickly before we get into this interview with jeremiah washburn a quick reminder make sure you head on over to apple Podcasts, leave us a rating leave us a review if you've got a question we will answer it here in an upcoming show leave us a mock draft we'll break it down your player rankings whatever you've got make sure you go on go on over to our apple podcast page and we will get to it here on an upcoming episode that said let's get to our interview here it's time now for jeremiah washburn and mr relevant it's time for mr relevant Well, excited to welcome in for the very first time here on the Journey to the Draft podcast, uh, Jeremiah Washburn. Coach, hey, thanks so much up, for joining friend? us. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So uh, getting ready for the Combine, and just from a, a big picture standpoint, why is the Combine important? What is so important about the trip out to Indianapolis? Well, it's just, a, I mean, big picture-wise, it's just the next step in a process of a player that, that for our scouting staff starts, you know, back in the previous spring and goes through the fall and through the all-star season. So it's just the next step in the process of the player, the evaluation. And there's obviously so much on the, on the outside, especially for fans at home. We see what's on TV, but there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, so it's really a whole big picture of everything that happens out in Indy. It is. And there's things that we don't see, you know, with the, especially the medical part, which is really the, the reason that the combine started so many years ago was you were combining information, you know, of the uh, of the teams with the medical staff, and there's things that we didn't see with that. But uh, honestly, because of TV, uh, the the fans are seeing about what we see. Uh, we're just sitting there live. Uh, you have one of the more unique backgrounds and roles uh, in, when you look around the league and having a foot both in coaching side and personnel side. How differently do you feel like you are able to view these prospects because you've had uh, a foot in both arenas? Um, I think the scouting side's helped. It, it it gives me a process. You you do learn how to 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 evaluate a player through a consistent process. And the biggest thing is the database of players. Mm. You can compare guys to 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 players you might have evaluated 15 years ago that might have had the same traits and and see if that guy you know had a success or or didn't in the league. And so I think that's the biggest part of that. Scouting wise, coaching wise, it's just where the player fits. You mm. you can at least get a vision of the player and. 
and how he he fits for you or maybe another team. Hmm. And people talk about player comps all the time, especially around this event because of the athletic testing and the measurements. But you can have a comparison when it comes to like a role that a guy plays in an offense or a defense, a guy's personality. When you meet him, you're like, man, he really reminds me of this guy and how he carries himself. Uh, those comparisons can go a lot of different ways, right? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. There, there's there's a um, story from a couple years ago, you know, where um, – I had a prospect at Eastern Michigan, Max Crosby. Uh, we went, we worked him out, uh, had lunch with him, and uh, I tell this story all the time around here, uh, where the guy talked about nothing but but pass rush for the whole hour, and his girlfriend was with us and said that's all he talks about. And you know, you could feel his passion and, and things you might not have seen on tape, you could see show up, uh, uh, you know, as a player with the Raiders, and you kind of look for those things going forward, you know, with with that, and so. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answered. Sure. Uh, so when it comes, obviously, for a lot of fans, the pre-draft stuff starts like right now, maybe Senior Bowl a couple weeks ago, but happened months and months and months ago, as you mentioned. It's a culmination of a year-long process. Uh, how much of the evaluation process is done before everybody sets foot in Indianapolis? Well, it's it depends on on who you are. Sure. If you're a scout, this is the tail end of yeah. it. You know, this is kind of the culmination of what you've been working on. Uh, for the coaches, this is the start. So this is the first time we'll see these guys in person, and it's kind of the start of our scouting season. Um, and so it's it's different ends of the process for for each side. How exciting is that? Getting eyes on these guys for the first time, but especially having been on both ends of it, seeing like yeah, like you know, seeing both ends of that process. How exciting is it to start this new with this new class? Oh, very exciting. I mean, I have no hobby, so this is it. I mean, <laughs> I, I'd love I'd be doing this anyway, and I'm sure there are folks that do that anyway. My son does, and, and all of his friends. So um, I love it. So I want to ask you about the specific drills, the athletic testing portion of the workout that we're going to see uh, out in Indianapolis. And we'll start uh, with the big one that everybody loves, and, that, and that's the 40-yard dash. And obviously it's become such a huge event. What do what can teams get from the 40-yard dash? And I guess it's going to change position by position. Well, okay. I mean, and I'm a line coach, um, so I'm going to answer this from a line coach perspective because, you know, the, these skill guys, I mean, that's a big deal, obviously. Sure. And, and they should talk about it. but. For line coaches, there it, there is a little bit to it, and you're going to see all the line coaches are sitting near the ten, mm-hmm. which is is important for us. So yeah. you do see a, a little bit of burst, you know how they can get out of their stance, and that does predict a little bit um, to 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 football. Yeah, so you, you want to be able to see that explosiveness out, and I guess you can yeah. you you kind of see that with the with the jumps as well, right? So when you're talking broad, vertical, are you looking for some of the similar kinds of traits? Yeah, I love the jumps, mm-hmm. absolutely. I actually did that. That was my first job really? at the combine. Yeah, I did all these. I mean, I, I did a time. I actually had a group one time, um, but I did do the vertical jumps for a couple of times. It was actually the first time I was on TV. My kids could see me because <laughs> I was the tall guy. But uh, I do love the jumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, broad invert because you can see how they can come through their hips. It's great for defensive ends especially um, so I'll be watching that for sure what are the differences between the two in terms of like what can be gleaned from them or is it about the same I mean I'd love to have some great answer you can guess yeah. Ted Rath for that but <laughs> you know for me one goes up one goes out so that's the biggest difference for me sure uh, when you get to the shuttles you get to short shuttle uh, even the long shuttle the, the three cone drill obviously what comes from from those three drills oh, I love those drills too sure. I, I do um, you get a great sense of lateral movement mm-hmm. and if a guy can bend um, so those are great drills. Um, actually, I was just texting with one of my old players, Josh Sitton, uh, who's a great guard for yep. for Green Bay, and he just he crushed a three cone. And I think 
most of his teammates in Green Bay were really good at that. And so that's something as a line coach, you, you definitely take a look at O-line and D-line was the three cone and the short shuttle. We've seen over the years, and we were talking over the last couple of decades, guys have gotten better and better and better at running these tests because they're tr- training all uh, offseason long to get ready for this event. How hard is it to kind of separate, hey, this guy shows that he can beat this drill versus showing that on the football field? Yeah, and, and that's the that's the deal with these drills is you're just looking, you're looking either for verification of what you're seeing on tape or, hey, do I need to go back and look for this because he really tested well at this drill? And, and you can cheat it. I mean, it, guys can work really hard at it, but it also shows that guys care and that they're able to work at these things and improve. So there, there's clues and details and everything with these players. And, and then you get to the position-specific aspect of the workout. And what I love is over the last couple of years, we've seen all these new drills kind of worked in. I know this year we'll see some new ones. Um how how do you kind of separate seeing the position workout from the athletic testing? Are you looking for some of the same kind of things? You are. And, you know, the combine does a great job with this. And the coaches that work the, the drills do a really nice job of of trying to get a whole picture of the player. And it's still hard to do, You're especially from the lineman perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to get the push-pull, the, you know, the strength, the power stuff as much. But you do get a great... Uh, look at how they can move and then even the little things like how coachable is the player how competitive is the player within those drills that's a big deal for us mm-hmm. um, so they're the, they do matter people talk about traits all, all the time and tools how quick does it take to be able to say like all right this guy this guy's got something that he can work with uh, what is that process like when you first get eyes on a guy yeah, that's a big deal. I mean, that's why we do it. That's what we do. And and you're always looking for that trait to mm-hmm. see if you can develop it. Um, you're looking for clues within a player, within, you know, whether he wants to be developed, as sure. uh, Jim Schwartz used to say. Uh, does this guy really want to be developed or, um, you know, does he just have a trait that's never going to be used? And so you're always looking for that. And, and um it's like that old movie, Three Amigos, which I'm dating myself is, you know, it's like they asked at the end of the movie, what's the one thing you can do, yep. you know? And so you're always looking for that within the player. Sure. And to me, like, that's one thing that's lost on people is that all these guys have strengths and all these guys have weaknesses. It's about trying to find uh, what puts these guys in best position. And that's really what you're trying to find is right. what is their biggest strength? Totally. Yeah. Uh, the last question, post-combine, get back from get back from Indianapolis. Uh, do the re- results from the, that week, uh, whether it's off-field, on field um do they force you to kind of reevaluate uh, what you saw previously or uh, what is that process getting back from indianapolis that's a great question um you know phil savage uh used to call this the fog of confusion time um and you really want to use the tape and i know it's cliche everybody says it and it's the truth you want to use the tape you're just looking for this as either confirmation or do i need to dig a little deeper and and it's as much on the interviews as well you know where you know, the guy might not come off well, and it's a tough situation for these guys to interview. So we're empathetic to that. So you just have to dig a little deeper at times um, and maybe get to know the player better through the, the visits and, and calling coaches and so on. Uh, so that's what the combine's for. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Really fun to catch up there with Jeremiah Washburn. Hope you guys learned a little bit there uh, about the drills and what to watch for as things get underway on Thursday here uh, from Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. As I welcome in uh, Chris McPherson, C-Mac, uh, drills just about 24 hours away. Excited, excited to, uh, excited to get things going yeah, here. Yeah, you can feel it. No feel question. Anticipation in the air, of course. Well, so uh, obviously, like I said earlier, Eagles Day uh, here at the Combine, both uh, Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni having their press conferences with the uh, the media core on Thursday or on Wednesday afternoon. 
wanted to say four takeaways, two, maybe two from each presser. I uh, wanted to start things off with you. I'll let you go with number one. Some of them are going to blend between both press sure. conferences. The first one, the biggest one by far, the Eagles excited to see Jalen Hurts take the next step as a starting quarterback for this football team. When asked, has anything changed in regards to the quarterback position since last month, I believe it was January 19th, when Nick Sirianni and Harry Roseman addressed the media to end the 2021 campaign, they said nothing has changed. You know, they expect Jalen Hurts to develop. They expect him to grow. They expect him to learn from what he did this past season and to make huge jumps in year two as a starting quarterback for this football team. So the Eagles firmly behind Jalen Hurts as a starter. By far, for me, the biggest takeaway here from their press conferences today in Indianapolis. And the big thing to remember, too, uh, I believe both uh, re- referred to his age as 23-year-old starter uh, and a guy that led them to the playoffs as a 23-year-old player. So uh, I think looking at uh, the youth in this quarterback class, also looking at the veteran market, you say, okay, well, uh, Jalen Hurts you know, gives you some proven uh, a, a proven play uh, there at the quarterback position, but also still has that youth, still has that upside uh, for getting better. What's number two for you? Well, real quick, I just want to touch on this. Nick Sierra had four things when it comes to valuing the quarterback. Yes. Okay, number one, accuracy. Number two, decision-making. He said Hurts will improve with experience. Yep. He said you look at quarterbacks who have grown. You point to Phillip Rivers, someone he coached. You looked at Tom Brady in his career. Those guys have so many reps. They've seen it all. They've allowed themselves to be able to see and understand what defenses are doing to be able to, to know where to go with the ball before the ball's even snapped. And even if you're if you're a listener at home, you're like, oh, you're going to point to two of the best to do it in modern history. You can look at guys like even like Derek, Derek Carr uh, this year had a huge season with more reps and more time and more experience. And you start having that mental Rolodex of defenses and coaches and calls. You start to play your best football. And I think that's another good example. What, what's the stat you brought up with Jalen Hurts? He hasn't had the same coach. Yeah, he hasn't, had the, same, he hasn't had the same system since in, in, in high school. Yeah, since high school. So uh, this will be a, a new one for, for him in terms of the continuity there. So number three, the ability to create. No question yeah, about Jay that. And that. It's, not ju- it's not just the rushing yards. It's also buying time in the pocket with his legs to be able to give his playmakers more time to get down the field. And the last one, fourth, arm strength. Yep. And they were very much in favor of Jalen Hurts saying he has the arm to make all the throws necessary. There is no question, no qualms whatsoever about Jalen Hurts and his arm strength. So just wanted to reiterate that part of the press conference there before we transition to number two, which is the resources to build. The Eagles have the flexibility with being under the salary cap this year, having money to spend, having 10 draft picks, including three in the first round. Howie Roseman specifically you know, noted to me when I asked him about the resources, saying it's not just the three first-round picks. We have 10 overall, so keep that in mind. The, the flexibility to build this football team and also the knowledge of what it looks like with the players in Nick Sirianni's schemes on offense and defense, a better understanding of which players that they're going to want to look for. So the big thing about being at the Combine this week is – learning more about the football IQ and the character and the mental makeup, which are going to be very important. But the big thing is here, the Eagles have the ability to, whether they want to hit in free agency, 
whether they want to wait till the draft. It's going to be an ongoing process because they can make trades all the way up until the middle of the season. So, But nonetheless, the Eagles have the flexibility and the resources to build the roster in the best way they see fit. No, and I think when you look at this team, this is a, gr- a group that is always trying to build and always trying to improve in every way imaginable. Uh, we've seen Howie Roseman be, imp- be aggressive uh, on the trade market, the waiver wire. You're always working uh, to be able to get this team better. They're going to find every avenue to do that. Uh, what's number three? Number three, no update on Jason Kelsey. Okay. Nick Sirianni said that a keg of beer was delivered to his house today. <laughs> didn't tell us I did like type, that. Yeah, that was the first answer in the press conference. Didn't tell us what type of beer. Nonetheless, you know, Jason Kelsey uh, is being able to enjoy some cold ones uh, while he uh, ponders his future. So no decision there whether or not he'll come back for 2022. And either way, if he comes back, obviously you're getting an all-pro center, one of the best in the game, one of the best in franchise history. If he doesn't, Nick Sirianni is like, We've got resources internally, and we've got free agency in the draft. I mean, there's time. We don't need to anoint a starter on March 2nd. Happy birthday to my mom, by the way, uh, on this on this day if, if Jason Kelsey were to make a decision. All draft analysts in the room at that point that were listening to the press conference waiting with bated breath as they had Tyler Linderbaum in their, in their mock <laughs> drafts waiting for the answer uh, to that question. Uh, next one for you. Uh, so no rock, paper, scissor this yes, year. This is great. It is Basketball, shooting hoops with Nick Sirianni. That is the contested challenge that the draft prospects who meet with the Eagles in the private interview interview rooms have waiting for them this year. It's not the one that you hang on like your door frame. It's like, you know, the one that's probably five or six feet high, you know, a smaller one that stands on the ground. But nonetheless, uh, it's an icebreaker. It's a chance to show off the players' competitiveness and just loosen them up because they're so trained by the agents and and coaches to how to handle these interviews, it it kind of just lightens the mood a little bit. But Nick Sirianni said, you're just trying to learn a little bit more about the player because this coaching staff, this personnel staff did a great job of finding guys who were able to right the ship after the two and five start this season. You need high character guys to be able to do that. The Eagles are trying to find those types of players. Two things. Uh, number one, I love this. Uh, number two, if you listen to yesterday's edition of the Journey of the Draft podcast, uh, you may have gotten a little bit of a tease as to what was coming there. Um, Nick Sirianni saying that if it was up to him, like he wouldn't have done the rock, paper, scissors last year. That was a, a product of being virtual. That if it were up to him, they'd be shooting hoops. Little did I know, like I laughed when he said that. Little, I did not know to take him literally. I wish I did. I would have pushed him harder on it. But uh, Nick Sirianni, very literal in saying, yeah, he, w- he wanted to be able to get those guys uh, with a basketball in their hand. That's exactly what he's got here is the, uh, the Big Ten tournament gets ready to kick off here in Indianapolis. Oh, perfect transition there. So speaking of shooting hoops, I'm sure some of the players reacted to that. Uh, <clears throat> they did. In your chance to uh, bounce around to listen to some of the different press oh, nice. conferences. Uh, yeah, there was a, a, a couple of guys that did talk about it. I think Sky Moore, the w- wide receiver from Western Michigan, was the first to bring it up. Uh, it said he went five for five. Uh, oh, I really enjoyed it. So he, he had to flex a little bit on that one. He's going up on the uh, draft yeah, board all the time now. Sam Howell uh, said he went three for five and made the joke, I might be off their draft board now <laughs> when he said that in the press, which was really funny. Obviously, that is not uh, the, the purpose of that uh, exercise. Um, but yeah, 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 at least you don't think it is. <clears throat> yeah, totally, yeah. Uh, takeaways, real quick. Uh, Kate Otten, the Washington tight end, uh, one of the top tight ends in the country, couldn't go to the senior bowl because of an injury that hampered him on the back end of the year. I did talk to him. He's not going to participate in drills, still recovering from that injury. Um, but one thing I took away and I think is important to note, he you know just talked about meetings with teams and said, you know, one of my big things that I'm really grateful for with Washington, coming from a pro-style offense, uh, I'm speaking the same language as a lot of these coaches when they are bringing something to me. And I say, they ask me what I call this. 
It's the same thing that they call it. And I think that's important when we're talking about this, this whole process and you know whether it's uh, a tight end playing with his hand in the dirt, uh, uh, an offensive lineman playing from the three-point stance, a quarterback that works under center. You can go right down the list, you know, uh, corners, linebackers, the whole deal. It's not necessarily about what they were asked to do because as we say all the time, just because you weren't asked to do it in college doesn't mean that you can't do it in the NFL, but those guys have a little bit of a leg up, not just from a physical standpoint, but also from that communication standpoint, from the mental standpoint. Uh, and I thought Kate Otten kind of brought that to light, a really good point there uh, from his presser. Yeah, I mean, a big thing this week. Again, we're going to see the timing and testing drills begin on Thursday afternoon, but the big thing also behind the scenes is the medical and yeah. how these guys do in the interviews and you know can they show off that high football IQ again just another piece of the puzzle as they try to figure out how to uh assess the draft boards. So the other part, obviously, with these interviews, trying to get a sense of who these guys are. And uh, look, teams, the, the thing to remember, this is not their first uh, time diving into a player's personality and character. It might be the first time they get to, sit, get to sit in front of a player, but that's what the purpose of NFL scouts. They're on the ground, you know, boots on the ground in all these college towns all across the country, getting a sense of all these players from a personality standpoint as well as from a physical standpoint. I caught up with a couple Notre Dame players. Obviously, on the media we don't have that same, we don't have those same uh, tools at our disposal, right? So uh, for me, I really kind of value talking with players about their teammates, whether they're guys that are in this class or in future classes. Asking uh, Notre Dame quarterback Jack Cohn and Notre Dame wide receiver Kevin Austin, hey, just, you know, who was the leader uh, on that offense? Both guys immediately went to the running back, Kyron Williams, who was a mm. redshirt sophomore this year. He was a redshirt freshman a year ago, uh, started all 13 games last year as a freshman. Uh, Kevin Austin called him the heartbeat, said like, we, literally like, we call him the heartbeat because he always brought the juice, always brought the energy. Uh, Jack Cohn, who transferred in from Wisconsin uh, for his final season, said he was super impressed with him right away. And you know, so just obviously great for Kyron Williams, a young player, great third down back, undersized, and that'll be the, the knock on him. We'll see how he tests uh, here this week. Week, but huge that that's how his teammates kind of revere him and that's those are the kind of nuggets uh teams will will be looking for over the course of this week and you also learn names so you can start your 2023 oh, i always am doing that so i got yes. a handful of those uh, this week as well so uh or i should say today i'll have a lot more here as who the, do i uh, need to watch comes. yeah that's back. exactly right it set my set my agenda for uh may june july but um no so that that was always good uh and then last one most confident player uh, that I spoke to in terms of how they're going to test because guys are usually pretty, you know, they try and pump the brakes a little bit. Oh, you know, I don't want to say what I'm going to test. And uh, I don't believe that Maryland tight end Chica Quanquo said exactly what he was going to run, but he was uh, very, very confident in his athleticism, his speed. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to really shock people. Uh, so at 6'2", 250 pounds as kind of a movable chess piece, H-back type of player uh, at the tight end position, Chiga Quanquo, uh, a player to keep an eye on as we get into drills on Thursday. Let's see if he does it. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. It's one thing if you're going to come here and, and boast and be confident, that's great. You want to see that? You know, it's, it's always when you ask a player, why are you the best – you know, whatever position in the draft class, you know, for him, why is he the best tight end in his draft class? You, you want to hear them just sell themselves and be confident in their game. And let's see if he takes it to the track. So lo love it. That's all part of the competition. So yep. stock up from an Eagle standpoint right there. Well, so we'll, we'll take a look and see how he does uh, this week. Before we wrap this show up, I want to wrap things up uh, with our draft mailbag. we got a few questions here. Let's get to that segment right now. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. 
All right, so I solicited for questions here on Twitter, four to be exact, uh, that we got back. So let's start with Big Dogs 1318. Here's a question, CMAC. Do you think the Eagles, Jets, and Browns draft similarly and have the same philosophies because of the general managers in place? Do you see any team moving into the top 10 this year for a quarterback? And what that what would that package look like? So two questions there. As far as quarterback movement, we'll get a sense of reports and stuff like that moving forward. Not sure as we sit here today uh, what that looks like. We'll see. I mean, it only t- they like they, everybody says it only takes one. So it only takes one team to fall in love with one of these quarterbacks. And is there ever a year? Up. Let me ask you this: Is there ever been a year where the quarterbacks don't move up? Every year, you know, there might be uh, a lukewarm feeling about the quarterbacks that oh, quote unquote, it's not a great class or what have you. But those guys still rise up anyway. I can't think of a year. The one I can think of was it was in 2013. That was the Geno Smith, EJ Manuel, yes, right? There that's was that one. That's the closest one. Yeah, and I, I you know, look, it's that that was almost a decade ago at this point. Uh, yeah. I don't know if uh, this class is as you know to that level in terms of. But I, I've said numerous times, I think this class has plenty of talent. So um, it wouldn't shock me if there was a, you know a team or two that fell in love with a couple of these guys, whether it's Willis or Pickett or Corral or Ritter or whoever it is. Um, it wouldn't shock me if that happened. Uh, getting to the uh, the first part of that question, the philosophical one. Yes. Yeah, to me. Every, every general manager and every team, the way they make decisions, it's very tough to say like, uh, oh, they, they, they draft similarly because, you know, Joe Douglas was with was in Philadelphia for two years or uh, same with Andrew Barry. The, the thing to remember is these guys all have experiences from earlier in their career. Joe oh, Douglas yeah. came up in Baltimore Ra- with Ozzie Newsom. So yeah. uh, I would say that in his formative years as a scout – my guess is is that, yeah, of course he's going to pull things along the way. He's going to evolve. He's going to have differences. Uh, you would say the same thing about Eric DaCosta in Baltimore. Spent his entire scouting career in Baltimore, working under Ozzie Newsome, became his right-hand man, stepped into general manager. Look, a lot of those things are going to same. They've done some different things uh, since he's become uh, the general manager. Right? They, they've trended a little bit younger, things like that. So uh, I think that when you look at uh, teams around the league, all these decision makers, yeah, they're going to have their tendencies, and you know, depending on what scouting tree they come from, there are going to be some core principles that I think are the same. But they're all going to have some differences, and also the coaching staffs that they work with are going to have a say in there as well. Of course, and also the teams that they've inherited, yeah, as well. No because if you come in with a team that you know, Nick Sirianni said this during his press conference, I was very fortunate to have strong depth along the offensive and defensive lines as a first-year head coach, and especially along the offensive line. That depth was tested. Yep. So it also depends on the situation. Now, obviously, some of these guys are going through, you know, build-ups where they're starting from ground zero and working their way up. But overall, I think, you know, across the board, you're going to see these football evaluators look at the premium positions relatively the same, okay? Yep. Which ones are the most important? It's just their process and how they go about picking which ones to put in those spots. You no, know, I, I think the safety position is a good example if you're looking here at the Eagles, right? And uh, I think there will be people who will say, like, oh, the Eagles haven't drafted a safety in the top two rounds in X amount of years. It's like, well, for a large amount of time over the last half decade plus, you had Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod. You didn't need to spend a second-round pick or a first-round pick on a safety. You felt pretty good about where you were at there. So uh, I think that that kind of, to your point, Depends on the team you have. That doesn't mean that the Eagles don't value safety. It just means they didn't they didn't need no. to address it early. Um, you know, so I think that that's, that obviously is a big part of it as well. It's, you're going to take it uh, year by year. Um, next question here. Irish Eagles uh, said, I've, I saw that Dane Brugler, actually a couple people responded with this. Uh, I see. I saw that Dane Brugler has Trent McDuffie, the Washington corner, as his number one corner in his latest position rankings. Do you guys think that there's a real possibility he's the first corner taken? And Dane uh, <clears throat> certainly becomes smitten with Trent McDuffie, the Washington corner. Um, <clears throat> he's 
a little bit on the the smaller side compared to uh, to uh, to Derek Stingley, uh, to Andrew Booth, to Sauce Gardner. He's not as big as those guys, but really quick, really tough. Really instinctive. He's versatile. He's experienced. He's a three-year starter. Started for, uh, right away uh, for Washington. Remember Jimmy Lake, their former head coach. He's a DB guy. He was the defensive backs coach, then the defensive coordinator, then the head coach. So, uh, Trey McDuffie is a, a really, really skilled player. Is he the first off the board? We'll see. But we have to remember, at corner especially, scheme plays a huge, huge part in those selections. Certainly. I mean, nothing really to add to that outside the fact that, you know, we're going to see some of these guys for the first time, yep. especially in the timing and testing drills. That's going to be a, a tiebreaker for some of these guys. And, you know, we'll learn a little bit more, especially as we start to hear how they perform in the interviews yep. and the official height weights and things of that nature. So it's gonna, that's going to be one of the fun positions to watch evolve over the next month plus to see who rises to the top. Next one from Ben McCardell. Everyone is convinced that the Eagles are taking an edge rusher in round one. Isn't it possible that all the top rushers are off the board by number 15? Let's say that Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson, George Karlaftis, Trayvon Walker, and David Hujabo are all gone. Is 15, 16, or 19 too high for the next edge rushers? Yeah, and that's why it's funny. Uh, Howie Roseman said today, you know, you're talking about the edge rusher. Look, we need to get better. Our pass rush needs to get better. Yes. It's hard to believe we come out of the offseason uh, without addressing it. And then he made the joke like, oh, famous last words, right? Because, it, <laughs> yeah, there are, there are those scenarios where something like that uh, can happen. That said, if all of those guys go, which that's, yeah, that's something that's possible. It's on the table. That means that Kyle Hamilton or Dirk Stingley or, you know, whoever, you know, insert top prospect, they're falling, right? So somebody, you know, somebody's got to be there uh, at that point. So maybe it's not the edge rusher at 15, but you're going to get another top player falling into that point. Maybe it's one of the corners that we just talked exactly, about. Who right. knows? But the thing is, with the three first-round picks, Harry Roseman talked about, we're not necessarily going to be taking three first-round players. Right. We have, again, the flexibility, yep. the optionality to move up if we see fit. If there's a guy who's slipping or if there's a run on these edge rushers and there's yep. a guy we really love— they can go up and get them if they feel they need to do so. Yep, absolutely. So let's get to our last question here. DK1012 asked if uh, if Notre Dame quarterback Jack Cohn lasts until day three, do you take a shot on him with uh, one of the later picks in a developmental role, knowing that you still have Gardner Minshew uh, for a year? So... Yeah, I think when you're looking at quarterbacks, you're going to try and identify who's the guy that has that ability to be a long-term backup, you know, potential starter way down the line. Uh, Jack Cohn is a guy that fits that model, fits that profile. Yeah, if you, if, I don't say why you wouldn't try and, uh, and do that if, if the value is right. Yeah, I mean, they brought in Reed Sinet, and yep. you know he was inactive for most of the season, so I'm sure that they're going to want to get him for the entire offseason to see what he brings to the table. But, but of course, I mean, you, you know that you need to have options there at quarterback, especially when even the Eagles had to deal with it this season, and most teams at some point, you're going to need to go to the backup. You need to have a competent backup in place. And, you know, Cohen has quality starting experience at two different programs, two yep. different high – uh, you know, high power football program. So. Kona had full autonomy at the line of scrimmage uh, this year really? at Notre Dame. Uh, in year one, uh, obviously being on campus uh, could change all the protections, set all the mic points, all that. So uh, said he was really gracious with the offensive coordinator Tommy Reese with allowing him to have that kind of control. So uh, now, good questions there um, from the four of you that, that sent those in. Thanks so much to everybody here. Uh, make sure to return tomorrow. We'll be breaking down everything from the first set of workouts: quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, taking the field on Thursday afternoon into the late evening hours. We'll be breaking it all down tomorrow right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand.